0: Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to a
1: fantastic, fabulous football field Friday here on the Final Drive. Corey LaBounty, along with Nick Wiggins, uh, outstanding NFL opener last mm-hmm. night. We'll mm-hmm. cover that For certain, but we want to make sure that you download the free Sound of Mobile app to any Android or Apple device you have so you can correspond with us in the app. And of course, six till midnight, Pigskin Pete and the Piglets will be keeping you posted on the high school scores. You can go ahead and jump in that app and keep us updated on the location of the games that you are watching tonight. But another Great addition, field with great guests today. Jake Crane from Crane & Company will pick his brain on his thought process. Nick will talk to Al Whedon about the MCPSS television high school football game of the week. We'll go out to California and talk to Thomas Dunn about the Cal-Auburn matchup. Late, 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 late tomorrow night. And we'll talk to Daniel Head, who was also the athletic director of the Coastal Alabama Community College Coyotes. Nick, an exciting way to start off NFL football last night. Definitely exciting for some. Uh, Steven Root, he's going to
2: come join the show later on in that third hour, do a victory lap, right? He's a Detroit Lions fan. It's not like it happens often, so let's let's just let him have it. And we're also going to hear from Cooper Cox, the sports prophet. He's going to give us some good betting lines to maybe tail this weekend. But, man, last night's game. Look, let's address the elephant in the room. He's our guy. He's a mobile guy. Blunt high school grad, Kadarius Tony. Man, rough night for him. We knew that the Chiefs were down. Travis Kelsey Jones on the defensive end, sitting there with his Sopranos mob boss-looking agents. But – uh those were some big, big passes that Tony just dropped, man. It, they weren't necessarily hard to catch. Maybe I will one say you this. can argue. Yeah, I'm, go I'm gonna
1: it. make. I'm not gonna make defense of Kadarius Tony having three drops last night. You, you're paid to do a job. You show up to do that job. None more critical of himself than right. Kadarius Tony because the same way that. We remember, and he was booed last night by the Kansas City Chiefs fans. He was not booed for his performance in the Super Bowl. So he missed the entire preseason, for those that don't know, with a torn meniscus or with a meniscus problem. The entire preseason he missed. Did he look rusty last night in game number one? Absolutely he did. Is that the Kadarius Tony that we all know and love? Absolutely it was not. He has 16 more games in the office to correct those horrible drops that he had. And I will go on record to be just like his quarterback, who we have audio from. I'm a Kadarius Tony believer. I'm not giving up, and neither is Patrick Mahomes.
3: What, what do you say that Kadarius Tommy after a game where it could have swung a, a different way?
1: And it was involved yeah, I mean, I have, I have trust in, in KT. Um, he, he missed a lot of training camp. Um, obviously, he wanted to play and, and, and fought for rehab hard so he could play. Um, and, and stuff's not always going to go your way. Obviously, um, he wouldn't want to catch a few of those in the game. But I have that he's going to be that guy that I go to in those crucial moments. And he's going to make the catch and, 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 and win us some seasons like he did last year. So we're going to continue to work him in, get him more and more reps. Um, and I'm sure that, that those drops will kind of disappear. Last
2: well, and, you know, Kadarius Tony deleting his Twitter account this morning. Uh, if you follow the NFL online, I know you've seen all types of memes about it. I think one was just posted in the app. That's what hurts the most, though, is of how crucial those three passes were. One was to convert a very crucial third down. That ended up being the pick six. One was to... Let's go with the last one that that was dropped on first down. In the two-minute warning, that really deep ball, he was wide open. And we know how Kadarius Tony can move. If he brings that in, that's probably a touchdown. So, it's just because it's not like any of the other receivers did anything either. I mean, uh, Patrick Mahomes knows reliable receivers were the backup tight ends. That play behind Travis Kelsey, they don't even see that much. So, no other receivers really did anything either. But, man, you know... Patrick Mahomes talks about him being ready in those big moments. Mahomes looked for him in those really big, crucial moments. And unfortunately, he was not able to bring it in and get it done. And a really tough L at home coming off your, you know, getting your rings and everything. It's unfortunate. But hey, for the Lions, a lot of people hyped on them. Jameer, Gibbs only played 19 plays. David Montgomery getting the majority of that workload. But Gibbs, when he was playing, he looked electric.
1: He, he is an electric player. We saw that at Alabama. But you can't say, someone in the app, safe to say, Tony cost the team the game last night. No. Hell no, he didn't uh, cost the team the game last night. There were five total drop passes that were equated to wide open drops. Kadarius had three of those let's go back and look at some of the decisions that were made let's look at the ability for the rushing game for Kansas City Kansas City didn't even have 90 rushing yards so to blame it on Kadarius Tony and this L that they took no don't don't do that folks again you have a bad day at the office. You, what you do is you put that behind you and you focus on week number two if you're Kadarius Tony. Again, I picked the Kansas City Chiefs to repeat as Super Bowl champions. Am I in a frenzy or worried that because the Chiefs dropped their season opener without Travis Kelsey and without Chris Jones who's sitting in the suites instead of being on the field because he wants $170 million that he doesn't deserve and is trying to hold the Chiefs hostage? No, I'm not concerned. Andy Reid is not concerned. You just have to do what you do. Detroit was the hungrier team. You take away that pick six by Brian Branch, and the Chiefs still have every opportunity to win that football game. Yeah, you, 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 you just can't blame that on Kadarius Tone. You tony. can't blame one guy. It is a team sport, but
2: a lot of the moments that were really crucial that maybe had the potential of a comeback and had the potential of, oh, there goes six points the opposite way. They did come off uh, mishaps of Kadarius. Now, you can't say it's all him because, like you said, look, you can't have Mahomes be your leading rusher. You know, you have – people drop balls all the time, and you would hope if other people can step it up, it's almost a wash. But it it was – like I said, you can't blame one guy, but no, you can't blame if you one had guy. to maybe give someone a majority of the percentage, unfortunately, I do think it was on Tony, especially the off-the-hand pick six. That one, if you bring it down, even if you slap it to the ground, that's six points. And look, everything's he said, she said, could it happen, would it happen, you never know. But we all watched the game. And when you see those big mishaps happen in the under the big lights,
1: you just can't help but be overly critical. Look, it, it doesn't matter. I, I, nobody's getting emotional uh, as far as I love these responses in the app. Yeah, I'm going to take care of 251 when he does great in the Super Bowl, you're going to get happy for him. When he drops a pass, you're going to get sad for him. It, it's it's part of what you call being supportive. Now, again, you can't tell me that anybody doesn't go on the job and have a bad day on the job. Right. Horrible day on the True. job. It just so happens that he did his in front of millions and exactly. millions of and, people. And you skip the training camp. You skip preseason. You're coming in rusty. But So you can't make excuses for Kadarius dropping the football because True. that is his job to catch the football. Kadarius knows that. He's a better player than that. But Mahomes said it. Look, I'm going to keep going to KT. I'm going to keep feeding KT. I picked the Chiefs to go to the Super Bowl. I picked Mahomes to be a most valuable player. And I think his performance will continue to get better. Yeah, so that's
2: what the real real tell is going to be. He deleted his social media, rightfully so. You don't need to be on there. Now it is... Is he really going to lock in? Is he, is he in the practice facility You know, an hour past everyone else making sure I, I am not going to drop another damn pass this season? I, now we see what the mindset is. Patrick Mahomes, hey, I'm gonna, I hope I can look for you in those big moments. Kadarius is saying in his head, hey, when it comes back to me, I'm going to make it count. That's what we're hoping. And look, week two is only seven days away, so we'll see. And hopefully he does turn it on. But look, Let's talk about the Detroit Lions, right? Everyone's been really hyped on Dan Campbell and those Lions. And right when he became the coach, he had really big expectations for his team.
4: All right. And so this team's going to be built on, uh, we're going to kick you in the teeth. All right. And, and when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off. All right. And we're going to stand up. And then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down. All right, and on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap, and we're going to get up, and then it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you. Before, before long, we're going to be the last one standing. All right, that's going to be the mentality. All right.
2: Last one standing, and they were last night, uh, without a doubt. I mean, biting kneecaps, (laughs) biting kneecaps, taking chunks out of kneecaps. That's in his opening presser when he's hired as the Detroit Lions coach. And then last night. If you've seen the quote, it's been going a little viral. You know, they ask him, hey, did you learn anything from your team uh, getting this win? And here was his response.
4: What did you learn about this team? I didn't learn anything. I got verification on what I already knew. And this is a resilient team. Uh, it already was a resilient team, and we added pieces to that resilient team. So um, we're built to handle some, some stuff, and uh, and we did that today against a very good opponent
1: had to handle some stuff. Yeah. Y- y- if you go back and you look at his post-game celebration in the locker room, he had some more colorful yeah. metaphors to Those use. The veins were popping out of the neck, man. And, and, and you love the excitement and the passion because what Detroit has done I picked them to win the division. This Detroit Lions, you can see the process. You can see the hunger. It's it's a franchise that has not been good. Brown paper bagging it for the longest. And they've been an absolute joke. But when you go and you get and have a Jared Goff to be as solid as he was last night, 22 out of 35 for 253, one touchdown, no INTs. Very poised in leading Detroit to that first opening score that they had to hit and punch Kansas City in the mouth to let them know we're not the Detroit Lions of old. We're not rolling over for you. It set the tone in scoring that first touchdown for Jared Goff, and then you add Gibbs to the mix. I lo- I like what has been built there for, for Detroit, sure. and they're only going to get better. Do I think that you know this one game? is going to go ahead and and consume them the whole season? No, I I think that winning nine out of the last 11 games that has been pointed out by many sources, it doesn't matter about winning nine out of the last 11. What does matter is if you win nine out of the next 11. That's right. That's when it counts. And look, you know, one positive for Detroit. Now,
2: I wasn't – I'm going to be honest. I wasn't that impressed with what I saw, obviously, by either team. Like, I'm not coming away saying, oh, man, the Lions, to the Super Bowl they go. no. But they did win their toughest game of the season, the Chiefs at home. They, they've already won their toughest game. So you can say it's all kind of easy sledding from here, maybe. But at least you know the opponents probably aren't going to be as tough. Now, were they, you know,
1: down a couple guys? Sure, but. I don't know about that. You've got Seattle. Seattle uh, is no Chiefs, slouch.
2: Nah, the Chiefs. It's the now, Chiefs coming off the Super Bowl. You look, know that crowd is crazy. You're downgrading
1: your Falcons
2: because they got the Falcons in Week Three. I will, I will humbly, humbly admit the Chiefs are a harder, a harder team to beat than the Falcons. Even though I, the Falcons are going to win that game, but look, you know who I was the most impressed with? Come I, with I was impressed with two, two things. The right tackle of the Kansas City Chiefs, who was just able to get away with a false start every play. Good for him. (laughs) I don't know how he did it. And Aiden Hutchinson, man. He was in Patrick Mahomes' grill every time. I don't think he had a sack. But, man, he was all in his grill, making those throws tough. I mean, he was hitting his receivers in the hands. And, yes, some of them are right in the bread basket. But every now and then, it was a little high. It was a little off. He had to lob it a little bit. I mean, It was not easy for Mahomes and Hutchinson every time. That right tackle, it didn't matter how early he got a head start on him, he was still struggling.
1: Well, you look at his box score numbers, and they say he only had four total tackles and three solo. But being – and affecting and getting those pressures and those hurries, those are what's going to ultimately affect Patrick Mahomes because he was pressured on over 40% of his dropbacks. That's never a good situation when Patrick Mahomes has to sit and run for his life. And I will say that defensively, once again, the Kansas City Chiefs didn't do a poor job. Nothing outside of that pick six, you can't attribute that to the offense saying the offense struggled. It, it's a great tip ball drill that that the Alabama player Branch takes to the house. And, and you get your money's worth in game number one out of Branch being a second-round pick, getting a pick six. That's that how you welcome first, yourself to the
2: NFL. That was his first interception since he was in high school. Did you know that? No. Yep. Didn't that, have one in college. Did well, not have one in college. Just
1: a difference maker, though, can bring the lumber, you know, uh, built solid. And you, you know coming out of the Alabama program defensively what the expectations are and were. But the Kansas City Chiefs really have to find a way. I mentioned yesterday Clyde edwards helaire Six rushes for 22 yards. Yeah, he, that's he not going to get it done. You, he was you, not hitting the gaps. You, you can take the six carries for 45 yards from Mahomes. That's fine. Now that's that's right around average for what Mahomes can give you. But you're going to have to find someone else in that backfield to go ahead and get it done for the Kansas City Chiefs. And there's no sense of panic except with the fact that you can't be happy with Chris Jones sitting in the suites. Yes, he did earn a Super Bowl ring. Yes, he was a vital part of that defense. But when you see – one of your best defensive players who wants to be one of the highest played defensive linemen in the league, who's getting a base salary of $19.5 million, sitting up with his agents. It cost him $1.1 million to sit in those suites out of his own salary because he did not play in game number one. Yeah,
2: I mean, it was funny when they cut to him and. It's like, oh, he really is here, like on a business trip. He he ain't sitting with his family, right? He's sitting next to two uh, sharks, right? And look, I, they, um, they definitely needed him, but I don't necessarily know if that would have flipped the game. But you know, with these receiving issues potentially, you know, who could potentially be available for the Chiefs? Mike Evans, but when he's not going to be
1: available this
2: year, what if they traded for him? I I just don't see it. it f- what what is Mike Evans worth now? He's older, a third
1: to me, a fourth still round pick, a Pro Bowl type wide receiver, for sure. Especially if Mahomes is the one throwing him the football. That that's Manziel two back when he was in college. The same type of comparison in the magic that could be made. I just. I don't see the Chiefs pulling that trigger. But we'll talk about Joe Burrow and the Bengals pulling the trigger. And we'll see if Joe Burrow is worth that bag that he received on yesterday. You're listening to The Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5. Hi, this is Phillip
5: Rivers, football coach at St. Michael Catholic. You're listening to WNSP Sports Radio.
2: And look, we're breaking down last night's Chiefs-Lions game. And look, Brian Branch, he did have four interceptions at Alabama. Pick six was what I meant. Guy hasn't touched the end zone uh, since high school. And guys, look, you know, Brian Branch, former Alabama guy, big Alabama game this Saturday versus Texas. And if you don't have any plans on where to watch it, Come out to the Outsider and watch it with us. You can get a free t shirt. You can enter to win that vintage Crimson Tide Jerry Judy jersey. Hope he gets better soon and we can see him playing for the Broncos. Look, there's going to be drink specials, 22 TVs. Right there next door is the Insider, that food court where you can eat anything you want. They're going to be doing a giveaway where you can enter to potentially win some Iron Bowl tickets. You're not going to want to miss it. Come to the Outsider, downtown Mobile, and watch the Alabama-Texas game with us.
1: We're not only watching the Alabama-Texas game with great interest, as most of the country will be doing. Nick, which game do you think will be watched more nationally? Will it be Colorado-Nebraska, or will Mm. it be Alabama-Texas? Who wins those ratings battles? Is it Fox Or is it ESPN slash ABC?
2: That's interesting. I mean, Alabama, Texas is prime time. But Colorado, Nebraska is also prime time, but in a different way. I mean, Dion made news that doesn't even cover college football, right? Alabama, Texas. Now, that's the one that really means the most. But I think people are really genuinely curious because we've had people come on who maybe aren't as big of believers or maybe even doubters. Say, all right, now we've got the film on Colorado. We know what type of offense they're going to run. You can prepare for it. Nebraska, they're mad that they lost uh, in that last-second fashion to Minnesota. Uh,
1: honestly, I'd say it's 50-50. No, I'm not even going to say it's 50-50. time start if you're in the eastern time zone for Colorado, Nebraska. So I will say that prime primetime – is right when everybody's had an opportunity. Those who are, are waking up, you normally catch the second half of that Colorado Nebraska game, just like last week when people started seeing the scores of Colorado TCU. Not a lot of people originally wanted to see the beginning of it, but as the game progressed and as you see Colorado continuing to surpass TCU, like oh well, this 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 is a game that I really need to watch before I see. Auburn take on UMass and I know I caught myself watching the end of the Colorado TCU game before I switched over to the Auburn UMass game but when you do have a primetime matchup with the crescendo and everything that's being built up to it throughout the day I do think that it will be watched more Alabama Texas more so than Colorado Nebraska
2: yeah I'll I'll say that there will probably be you're probably right I will say that there will probably be more news stories and headlines coming off of the Colorado game, though. Or
1: it, it win or lose for yeah, Dion. Exactly. Win or lose, and and he said this is personal because I mentioned to you. The original roots of Colorado, Nebraska, when you go back and you look at the Tom Osborne led Cornhuskers and you look at McCarthy taking the field with the Buffaloes in the 90s, in the late 80s, that game did mean a lot to the entire country. And, and I, I just I, I really am excited about both of those games to where it's definitely an action packed and and when you finish Alabama, Texas, then you can go ahead and get your night nightcap with Auburn and Cal. Yeah. So that I mean, is expected be to be a a, a a very, very high explosive game also with regards to offense and Cal not knowing whether they have their quarterback playing or not playing. That's why I look forward to hearing from Thomas Dunn right around four thirty to find out the health of Cal's quarterback moving forward now we know the health of joe burrow Mm -hmm. the health of joe burrow is stupendous wallet real healthy now five year 275 million dollars 219 guaranteed he is the highest paid nfl player ever on a per year basis that's on a per year basis it's the second largest contract behind Mahomes' 450 in total value so there's a lot of numbers that get thrown around right there the biggest number is the fact that that bag is heavy Coming up here 3.30, Jake Crane, Crane & Company. Look forward to his hot takes on Alabama, Texas, Colorado, Nebraska. Jake Crane on the final drive next.
0: This is Jason Caffey. Thank you for listening to WNSP 105.5 FM.
1: Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with Nick Wiggins, joining you on this festive field football friday here on wnsp of course six to midnight we have you covered with high school football and there's nothing better than tuning in to pigskin pete and the piglets getting updated on all the high school scores that are going on and we love to get updated on the college scores that come across the ticker throughout the day as well and updating us on week one of college football is our guy jake J Boy crane host of the national sports show crane and company just recently last week asked us to make sure we reach out to get to 100k subscribers on youtube you were able to reach that mark congratulations my brother man thanks uh
6: you know i always love coming on here chopping it up with you guys it's just uh it's surreal, man. I mean, it's uh, something I started, you know, when, when they sent us back from coaching during the pandemic and to see us hit 100,000 subscribers, man, it's just, uh, it, it's surreal. I mean, our our audience is fantastic. I think we have a, you know, a show, you know, like you guys that, that keeps it about sports and uh, just uh, very blessed and, and very thankful, man. It's been, uh, you know, when you get it out of the mud, it's a little bit different.
1: Absolutely. And this week, in college football, there'll be a lot of people trying to get it out of the mud. Deion Sanders, look, he doesn't care if you throw mud, make mud sandwiches. I know growing up, I loved the Colorado-Nebraska matchups, and that's one to where the entire yeah. nation early tomorrow will be focused. Can prime time sustain and do it and go to 2-0? and yeah,
6: can they for sure.
1: You know, what I love and, and one of the
6: the best games to watch are when two conflicting styles, you know, face off against each other. I, I call it the Cold War games, right? Like, like back in the old Soviet Union days, communism versus capitalism. Uh, I, I will say this, you know, with Nebraska, if you go back and look at that Minnesota game, they had a couple turnovers late that doomed them, but they really dominated the game outside of that, and, and there's no moral victories, but when you're looking at prognosticating, the new clock rule, I think, is going to have a big effect here, where the clock keeps running after first downs outside of under two minutes in the first half and, and under two minutes going toward the end of the game. I think they're going to try and sit on the ball. Uh, it's no secret that, that Jeff Sims, Nebraska's quarterback, you know, couldn't hit water if he fell out of a helicopter into the ocean, uh, but... I do think Nebraska is better than than Colorado is up front. I mean, the second half, Colorado gave up 10 yards of rush. Uh, I think they're going to try and sit on the ball and limit possession. So, yeah, can they? Will they is another question. Uh, Matt Rule is one of the best in the world at getting every inch out of every player that he has. It's one of the reasons he was able to turn around Temple, one of the reasons he was able to turn around Baylor. I think the Panthers got rid of him a little bit prematurely, but it's the NFL. You know how that goes. Uh, but, no, I think it should be a good game. Look, the, the, thing, the thing with Colorado, and I say this about young pitchers in Major League Baseball, it's amazing how many young pitchers with great stuff come up. And the first two starts, I mean, they look like Cy Young Award winners, and then all of a sudden, those next three to five starts, they're getting knocked around the yard. Well, it's because the book's out on them. Football is a game of not just adjustments, but it's adjusting to the adjustment. Uh, I want to see how Colorado does that. I love their plan last week against TCU. They know they're deficient on the offensive line. They were getting the ball out quick early, and TCU gave up on the pass rush because they couldn't get there, and Shadur was able to sit back and pick them apart. So can they, yes? Will they? That remains to be seen.
2: What about our LSU Tigers, man? You and I both had them going (laughs) to the playoff. I've been catching a lot of smack for how they showed up against Florida State. But, look, that's non-conference. They can pick it up here in SEC play, right?
6: Yeah, well, last time I checked, LSU lost the first game of the year last year and went on to win the SEC West and and almost made the playoff as a three-loss team. Look, I mean, uh, football, is it's a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, what disappointed me the most was a couple things. One, you know, going into that game, it looked like they reverted back to early 2022 LSU when they weren't taking advantage of the deep third. You know, last year for LSU, about halfway through the year, they started attacking downfield, and it changed their season. I was shocked to see that you would run all those comebacks that Malik Neighbors and them were running, uh, especially on third down and were having success, but you never double-moved anybody until the last possession of the game, and you double-moved them for a 70-yard touchdown. Uh, that, that was something. And, and then, you know, Florida State went into the locker room at halftime and made the conscious decision that we're just more physical than they are. They came out in the second half got under center and just ran it right at LSU. I think LSU has the personnel to fix it. I think they will fix it. So, look, if you're jumping off the bandwagon in week one, you don't know how this sport really works.
1: Love the momentum there. And last week we were talking a little bit about my college football predictions. I have Georgia at one. I went safe. Georgia at one. Michigan at two. Ohio State at three. And Bama at at four and I really was debating on whether to go FSU or OSU but I'm going to go ahead and get the benefit of the doubt to OSU there so wanted to to bring that back full circle for you so nice and safe and comfortable there those picks by myself
6: Yeah you know uh, Ohio State they didn't look great against Indiana I uh, I do worry about them on the offensive line and and it took my uh, Kyle McCord a little bit to get going. And, and look, Indiana, their back's against the wall. Tom Allen has to have it this year uh, after what happened the past couple of years after Michael Penix did what he did three years ago. Now he's obviously at Washington. Uh, I just, I got Ohio State going nine and three. I, I just don't believe. Um, I know they're really good at wide receiver, uh, I know their defense is pretty good. But when it comes to the offensive line and the quarterback position, I, I don't think they're elite enough to do it. Uh, I would take Florida State over them on a neutral side. A- anytime, anywhere uh, right now. But, look, it- it's so early in the game. Every every prognostication is pretty much still out there. Now, when it comes to Alabama, uh, I know we're going to get into this Texas game, but there's still a lot of unknowns. I mean, you know, they basically played the Little Giants last weekend, and it's not their fault. <laughs> you know, they-, they did exactly what they were supposed to do. But I still think there's a lot of questions there, and, and we'll get some of them answered tomorrow.
2: Talking with Jake Crane of Crane & Company big game tomorrow maybe game of the game of the week definitely maybe game of the year there's so much riding on it Texas Alabama I have a lot riding on this because I got Texas finishing the season number one going undefeated and it all starts here but Alabama man they looked good last Saturday where are you feeling on Texas Alabama now that we've got one game under the belt
6: well, I mean, if they didn't look good against Middle Tennessee, then then I think we'd have a different question. I, look, I picked Texas during the off season. I have Texas making the playoff. Um, I, I know the safe pick is to go Alabama at home, but look, you know, I'm I'm not here to play it safe. I'm here to tell you what I think. Well, with what Texas returns on the offensive line and the front seven on defense, what they've added, I think they can run with Bama. This game, I'm gonna tell you what it's gonna come down to. You ready for it? I, I'll Donald Trump it. You ready for it? Here we go. Uh, If Jalen Milrow can make the tight throws on third and medium to third and long to extend drives, Alabama's going to win the game. But we don't know that yet. Their receivers last week, where it's like the girl from the sound of music, they're just wide open, just running on top of a mountain. He hasn't had to make those tight throws yet. And, yes, Jalen Milrow is an incredible athlete, absolutely incredible. He's probably going to be the best athlete on the field every time he hops on it. But I don't think he's going to be able to take a bad snap drop it, pick it up, wipe the ball off, read a Harry Potter book, give his opinion on a new bill that got sent to Congress, and then run for 70 yards and score a touchdown. Jalen Milroe is going to actually have to play quarterback against Texas because I do think they're that good on defense. So Alabama's beat up in the secondary. I know Malachi and Jalen Key have been practicing, but just because you practice, nobody's ever 100%. But just because you're practicing doesn't mean you're 85%. So there are some unknowns. If Jalen Milroe does that, I think Alabama wins the game. But we haven't seen that yet.
1: Going out to the West Coast, the latest game ever played in the history of Auburn football. Cal not that healthy at a couple of positions, the Tigers, they have an opportunity to really pounce and make this a, a well-deserved trip to the West Coast, a business trip, and come back to the Plains and take on the Sanford Bulldogs in week number three.
6: Yeah, you know, look, Cal had a nice win week one against North Texas, but if you know anything about North Texas, you know, their defense has been bad for a long time. That's one of the reasons they couldn't win the conference championship. What I don't understand is why Cal's just out there running their... Did somebody tell the Cal players this is a slam poetry contest and, and not like a, a college football game? Or maybe it's you're taking the SAT or the ACT? Uh, they're talking like, in my opinion, there's something they're not. I know for a fact that the comments that the running back made uh, talking about you know when they beat Auburn and Auburn's not who they think they are got shown to the D-line this week at practice or uh, during meetings. So, it, you know... At the end of the day, listen, I understand being confident, but Cal needs to understand at the end of the day, you're Cal. that That's who you are. You're begging to go to the ACC. You need to remember your place, and Auburn's going to go out there pissed off, and they're going to have to remind people why your conference is evaporating and our conference is gobbling up people like hungry, hungry hippos.
1: Yeah, that's going to be an exciting matchup that you're going to see out there as well. Now, when we look at the best game, to me, I'm really intrigued about Tulane and Ole Miss. You see the way Tulane kind of beat up on South Alabama a little bit, being very efficient from the quarterback position, but... At the same time, now Lane Kiffin, one year ago, Ole Miss was able to handle Tulane. We'll see here how this game plays out. Is this one of those games to where it's a pick 'em or it's going to be a shootout? What do you see out of this?
6: Uh, Man, I'm really high on Ole Miss for one reason. Tulane struggles to stop the run, and there's a common misconception out there that Lane Kiffin and Lincoln Riley and Josh Heifel and some of these other guys, they just want to throw the ball around the whole game. That, that's not true. They want to run the ball to set up the pass. Ole Miss has one of the best running backs in the country in Quinshot Junkins. Uh, and look, Tulane was very efficient last week. They handled South Alabama a lot easier than I thought they would. Michael Pratt's a really good player. I think Tulane's offensive line is above echelon. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you can't stop the run, Ole Miss is going to score 50 and if they score 50, you're not scoring 50. I got too much respect for Pete Golding. I actually think Ole Miss is going to cover in that game. To me, one of the best games to look out for in the weekend is Texas A&M and Miami, two programs that are trying to get back to where where they believe they should be, even though A&M hasn't you know, been relevant since 1939 before we dropped in over in Normandy to take care of the Nazis. Uh, but, look, I, I, love, I love what Willie Fritz does. He beat us when I was in South Alabama when he was at Georgia Southern. But I think Ole Miss handles business this weekend.
1: Yeah, that's going to be a good one. And you mentioned the A&M-Miami game. Jimbo Fisher feeling pressure here if miami handles them the way that the hurricanes are trying to blow in like it is on the east coast right now just don't know what you're going to get out of this game because both teams really haven't been proven and tested but it's a great battle of two traditional powerhouses
6: yeah well you know it's a battle of two teams that are trying to take that next step right you know i I talked about a and m trying to be relevant you know uh, the first time in a long time miami Hasn't won double-digit games since 2004. Uh, so you, so Mario Cristobal, this team is built way more in his image. They're a true run-to-pass te- team. Excuse me, they ran for 250 against Miami Ohio in the Confusion Bowl last week. But make no mistake. A&M has a better roster. And after watching week one, I know it was against New Mexico and the only aliens they have are running around Area 51 right now. But they're top 25 in the country in pace after week one. It didn't look forced. That's the biggest thing. Bobby Petrino's bag's deeper than Santa Claus, regardless of what type of year it is, whether that's quarterback run, whether that's lining up in 12 personnel, running gap scheme, whether that's getting an empty and five wide and and throwing the Dr. Seuss book at them. I like A&M in this game. I think A&M's got top 10 personnel in the country. And finally, they have a coaching staff where where it just works. It makes sense. Give me the Aggies. And believe me, if you yell in overalls long enough,
2: eventually it's going to work. Do you think that this game is a must-win for Jimbo, then? Well, you know, the term must-win, I it,
6: it, you do get Bama in a couple weeks, but they need this one. They need this one to, to ease the Bobby Petrino versus jimbo fisher rumors you know searching for bobby fisher just wasn't a movie about chess uh it's about 2023 texas a&m so as much as an early non-conference game could be a must win this would be it
1: well last thing i want to leave you with as well is the ncaa you just never know what Uh. you're going to get denying tez walkers eligibility there at North Carolina ruling him ineligible for the entire 2023 season and Mac Brown rightfully so went scorched earth on the NCAA what are your thoughts about how the NCAA not only really is dissolving but still has control over matters in which they really pick and choose their battles
6: well I listen I I, I've for a long time, I believe the NCAA is nothing but a racketeering organization. That's what they are. Um, you know, and, and them dissolving, it couldn't happen to a better group of individuals. The faster they get out of the sport, uh, the better. I, I'm a firm believer, and I, I think it's almost like, and, and I love police officers, but it's like the quota on speeding tickets, right? You have to have a certain quota that you hit to be able to meet your markets. There's no rhyme or reason for when they deny people things. So it's almost like they have to go hit a quota just to say, hey, we denied a certain amount of people waivers because they can't give you a reason. You let guys transfer 35 times in between schools for no reason, but Tez Walker wants to go from Kent State to North Carolina, and he can't go. It's absolutely disgusting. The NCAA hides under the guys that care about athletes. They don't care about athletes. They care about making money. It's a racketeering organization. That's all it is at the end of the day, and you can quote me on that. So they can't give you a reason – now, not saying there shouldn't be rules there should be rules but if there's rules then there should be concrete rules that everybody follows i i honestly I, I think they're a pathetic group of individuals uh there's an old saying those who can those who can't play anymore coach those who can never play or coach referee those who are just pathetic individuals join the ncaa
1: I agree one thousand percent on that. Shame on the NCAA. They they must continue to do better, and and I'll be glad when they're totally dissolved. Well, Corey, they got to get out. There's no there's no more continuing to do better. Take your stuff
6: and get out of our sports. We figured you out. You're nothing but the middleman and a racketeering organization. Just get out. Nobody wants you here. You're
1: Steven Glansberg. Go eat pudding at lunch by yourself. (laughs) Absolutely. And, Jake, I know you have Texas winning over Bama, and you mentioned how you feel Auburn would do against Cal Next week, looking forward to, to catching up with you and seeing some more of the hot takes as it, it's kind of a lightweight schedule this week and week three will be a lot better. How can people follow you as you are the host of the National Sports Show, Crane & Company?
6: Yeah, well, guys, like I said, I I really appreciate you guys letting me come on. I love what y'all do. I have a ton of respect for what y'all have going. Uh, Listen when I can. But, yeah, uh, our audience is incredible. Like I said, we hit 100,000 subscribers. It's still kind of surreal to me. But, you know, if, if you like talking ball, if you like the old school way of talking sports where we keep it about sports, Go to YouTube, it's Crane & Company, C-R-A-I-N, I I can't even spell my last name, uh, and Company. Go hit that subscribe button. Uh, We have our Saturday special coming out, which is our version of game day. We have Jeff Collins, former head coach at Temple uh, in Georgia Tech, joining us. We're making picks, having a great time. So come hang out with us. I think you'll enjoy
1: it. Jake J-Boy Crane joining us every single Friday on the final drive at 3.30. Always look forward to it. Have a great weekend. Total leather it is. We'll be right back here on The Final Drive.
0: Hey, this is Coach
5: Tommy Tuberville, and you're listening to 105.5 WNSP.
2: Welcome back to The Final Drive. And remember, guys, come watch Alabama, Texas with us at The Outsider in downtown Mobile. You can get a free t shirt. You can win a jersey. You can enter to win Iron Bowl tickets. The insider's right next door. They're going to have drink specials. If you don't have anything going on you want to watch the game, might as well come and watch it with us. And tonight, for the Greers Market game of the week, St. Paul's and Sarah Land don't want to miss that game a lot of d1 talent gonna be running around out there michael brauner brian genard on the call pigskin pete he's gonna keep you locked in with updates from every game around the county me personally i'm gonna be at foley mgm now mgm lost to foley last year 43 42 mgm they've been hot foley they got some studs out there that's going to be a great game and i'll be keeping you guys up to date on that and whatever games you guys are at download the sound of mobile app you can keep us updated it's just like a fun little kumbaya of everyone at a high school game you're going to want to be a part of it
1: yeah absolutely i know i will be coming up with al and next we'll be talking about that foley mgm matchup a top 10 matchup in 7-8 football that's going to be fabulous and you mentioned the four and five star athletes that are going to be at St. Paul's and Saraland. We'll have some four and five star athletes right. with us tonight at MGM versus Foley as well. The final drive on WNSP 105.5 wrapping up our number one coming up next. Al Weeding MCPSS television network will be talking with us about that MGM Foley matchup.
0: Sound of Mobile presents For the Win, the final drive. Oh, no, they didn't. Oh my gracious, yeah? How about that? With Corey Labounty and Nick Wiggins. For the win! Yeah! Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. Oh, oh, a balloon
1: Welcome to hour number two of the Final Drive, Corey Labonte, along with Nick Wiggins, joining you this fabulous football field Friday here on WNSP 105.5. Don't forget tonight, Sarah Land taking on St. Paul's, and that will be brought to you by Brian Gennard and Michael Brauner followed by the Pigskin Pete Scoreboard Show. We'll be keeping you up to date until midnight, so you don't want to miss up miss out on all those updates and don't want to miss out on the game tonight 7a region one it's going to be a big time top 10 matchup and keeping us filled in is my broadcast partner with the mcpss television network al whedon how's it going my brother
3: it is hot and warm and it is going to be hot and warm and sim tonight because it will be electric Uh, Our first ever top ten matchup this early in the year for the MCPSS Network. MGM checking in at number eight in Class 7A. Oli checking in at number nine in Class 7A. And this is going to be quite a battle. It's both of these teams' first region ball game, So a lot is on the line tonight as we go to Sims, as we go out in the Viking land to – watch the Vikings host the Lions tonight.
1: Yeah, that's going to be a huge matchup. Some of the players that are going to be involved, I mentioned that we'll have a couple of four- and five-star players on the football field for MGM as well as Foley. The biggest known attraction in the offseason for Derek Scott's Foley Lions is Perry Uno Thompson. Makes that flip from Alabama to Auburn, and we'll see if he'll be a factor in tonight's contest.
3: Yeah, we're gonna find out about that tonight, Corey. Uh, so far through two ball games, uh, he hasn't been too much of a factor as you thought he would be. He's thrown for a touchdown, caught a touchdown, and ran a touchdown. And he actually has one interception on the season. He plays a little defense as well. But the real attraction for Foley so far this season has been the running back Colton Nero. he has rushed for almost 600 yards in two games and. And according to Coach Scott, pretty much leading the state and rushing in Class 7A. So, I mean, it's unbelievable. He has seven touchdowns on the season. Uh, maybe maybe that weight loss, you know, cutting out all that junk food has made a difference for the young man because uh, they are definitely running a rock behind Nero. So we shall see. You're right, Corey. Will, will Perry Thompson, you know, come out a bit more tonight? At MGM. We're going to find out because MGM's defense has only given up 4.1 points per game so far through two games. So that defense is pretty stingy that the Vikings have right
2: now. Yeah, so last year, you know, it was a 42 41 overtime victory for Foley. So, you know, with MGM's new beefed up defense, do you not see it going towards a shootout like last year? be a shootout. I think, uh, I think the numbers may be somewhere
3: in the high 20s to low 30s. Uh, Nick, I, I, I do believe that uh, because as I just said, just because Perry Thompson hasn't put up big numbers in the first two weeks does not mean he won't do it here in week three or is it week two. I, whatever the high school association calls it. To me, it's the third week of high school football. I'll put it to you like that. So So if he's due, he's definitely due to come through tonight for the Lions. So it would not surprise me. One of the reasons Nero has so many yards, Foley's offensive line averages 324 pounds. So that's a lot of beef making a lot of holes for Nero to run through. So if they're able to do that or even set up some screens or some tunnel screens or some, some throws like that to Thompson, maybe tonight he goes off on the MGM. We shall see. But I'm expecting, I am expecting a high-scoring uh, Matchup somewhere probably in the high 20s, maybe low 30s. I don't think this is going to be a 19, 14, 17, 10 kind of ball game.
1: It's been a long time since we've seen the MGM Vikings 2 and 0. And the way that they started the season a year ago 0 4 and losing their first four games in very, very close fashion. Redemption tour, not revenge is the mindset of Coach Golson.
3: Yeah, it's not the revenge tour. It's the redemption tour. And if you want to call it for the Vikings, uh, for them, the next victim up is Foley coming to town tonight. And they've, uh, they've done some pretty good redemption. They put it on Williamson in week one and last week a very good ball game they won against Charles Henderson, who was ranked in 6'8 pretty high, I believe number two and number three last week when they defeated them. Uh, so for, for for MGM, yeah, it's not revenge, it's just redemption. And here's a little nugget a lot of people may not uh, be aware. You're right, Corey. First time they've been 2-0 and since 2007. But also, the Vikings are riding pretty high because they lost their first four. Then they ran off six in a row last year to make the playoffs and finish the regular season at six and four. Well, currently right now, I'm going to say probably maybe next to Sarah Land, they're one of the hottest teams in the area regular season. They're currently on an eight-game regular season win streak. They won their last six, and they won their first two. Remember, Sarah Land lost to Theodore, then they won the next week and then ran through the playoffs. So currently right now, for a regular season winning streak Uh, for the MGM Vikings going from last year into now, they're one of the hottest teams in the, in, in the area down here on the Gulf coast.
1: Well, I'll tell you who else is hot. D.J. Butler for the Davidson Warriors. We witnessed him one week ago score five touchdowns, four rushing and one throwing the football. They have a huge matchup against Steve Norman and the Baker Hornets. Again, another 7A Region 1 matchup that's going to go far to determine seeding in the playoffs.
3: It sure will. It's Baker's homecoming tonight, as a matter of fact, and this is a really big ball game ironically, since this is region play for 7A Region 1, everyone is playing each other except for Fairhope. They're the odd team out. It's only seven teams. So Baker is going to be hosting Davidson tonight. Brian's going to be hosting Daphne tonight. That's the other 7A Region 1 matchup. Oh, I'm sorry, Corey. I think DJ Butler just scored again from yeah. last week. <laughs> every time we called his up, oh, he scored again. I mean, it was unreal watching him uh, it was the debut of Warrior Stadium last week as they played Hillcrest Evergreen. The the, the kid is is something else. He's very electric. He can run north south. He can run outside on the edge. He can catch it. He kind of he kind of puts me in the mindset of when T.J. Yeldon was at Alabama. I always found it funny. He he kind of ran straight up, but he had some speed, man. If you if you caught him in the flat, pitched it to him, he would just take off and hit the hole. Butler kind of reminds me of that. He's got a nice size frame. He's not too big. But as you and I saw last week, he's got some Derrick Henry in him, too, because when he puts out that stiff arm, man, that is bad for the opposition. Real bad, bro.
1: It really is. And he does remind me a lot of Derrick Henry, not as far as as tall as Derrick Henry, but the power and the uprightness of his running ability is something special to watch. Expecting a huge crowd to come out to Sims, Alabama tonight. And one thing I can say about the Sims community and the MGM Vikings, whether they were 1-9, 0-10, or just 3-7, and 7, it didn't matter. The crowd always right. comes out to support MGM. Beautiful grass field out there. I know all the MCPSS schools that made debuts in their stadiums, whether that was in Week 0 or Week 1, undefeated to open up the stadiums. Now, as far as the grass is concerned tonight, not a lot of rain, so the field surface should be great for cutting and, and and the ability for those to dig in to that natural playing surface that's in Sims.
3: Oh absolutely Corey, you hit it right on the head. If if they if they're oh and six or a two and four, one and five, whenever we show up at Sims, the spectators, the fans show up. That's what I love about going to MGM. It is always a great crowd. If the up or down, it kind of reminds me of the Chicago Cubs, the lovable losers. They always have a great support system out in CMs behind the Vikings. And no doubt about it, man, some some of the best turf around in the area we have seen at MGM firsthand. So uh, tonight at Charles Lover Field at Emil Grider Memorial Stadium, it will definitely i'm I'm sure it's going to be a packed house I, i'm wondering how many foley will bring with them how, how many lions faithful are going to make the trek across the pond to come support the lions technically they are the region champs they're, they're the defending region one champs of seven eight from last year so you know until someone knocks them off they still get to hold that title so i wonder how many folks are going to come and, and corb make sure you bring your hat and bring your water cause, uh Uh, at Emile Griner Stadium, one of the the two home stadiums where the home side faces west. So the sun will be in our face, my brother.
1: (laughs) That it will be. Looking forward to some great high school action on the MCPSS television network. If people want to tune in and watch this great 7A Region 1 Clash of the Titans for a top 10 matchup, how can people watch that?
3: Uh, Very easy. If you are an Xfinity or a Comcast customer, just tune in to Channel 15. If you're a MediaCom customer, if you're out in Mobile County, that's Channel 81. If you uh, don't have cable but you have ATT UVerse, just tune in to Channel 99. You can watch us there. Also, if you've cut the cord, if you have a Roku-enabled TV or a Roku stick similar to a Fire Stick, just simply search uh, for MCPSS TV and subscribe to that. And, of course, the games are always on social media with Facebook and YouTube. It's very easy. Just go to either one and type in MCPSF TV Network and just click it right there. And nine times out of ten, uh, it's probably going to tell you, you know, two hours before the game starts and just post up right there. And check us out. Looking forward to it. Uh, Corey, myself, and uh, Kimberly Dunn on the sidelines. We're looking forward to a great top ten matchup tonight with Foley versus MGM.
1: Al, we appreciate you, and we'll see you shortly, my friend. As always, thanks so much. And Nick, last night, great high school football action as Bayside Academy and their new head football coach, Coach Trotter. He goes to three and zero as they defeat Coach Rivers, twenty-seven to twenty-one in overtime. And I, I think that anytime you can start off with the region win, St. Michael's fall, St. Michael falls to one and 0 oh and one in the region. Mm. Those region wins are, are something that you really, really want to grab hold of.
2: Yeah, Phillip Rivers, he's out there trying to get that program to where he wants it. He's got his freshman son Gunner out there slinging the ball.
1: Got some more work to do, coach, but they'll get there. Gunner Rivers, 18-29 to 29 for 175 yards and a touchdown. And you look at Bayside Academy's quarterback, Sam Dunn, 9 out of 13, 103 yards and a pair of touchdowns, intercepted once. But great high school football tonight. We'll give you that rundown here. Alma Bryant at Daphne Chickasaw at St. Luke's. Centronel at Viagra, Cottage Hill at Excel, Davidson at Baker, Escambia County, at Satsuma Foley at MGM, LaFleur at UMS, Mobile Christian at WS Neal, Murphy at Theodore, Orange Beats at Jackson, Pensacola Catholic at Fairhope, Robertsdale at Blunt, Spanish Ford at Baldwin County, St. Paul's at Saraland, and Williamson at Alberta. Plenty, a plethora of pigskins to go around tonight for everyone to enjoy here along the Gulf Coast. You're listening to The Final Drive here on WNSP
5: 105.5. This is Richie Riley, the head men's basketball coach of South Alabama. There's nothing better than listening to WNSP Sports Radio 105.5 FM.
2: And guys, if you didn't know, Pat McAfee's show is now airing on ESPN. They're in Tuscaloosa today getting everyone ready for Texas, Alabama. Just saw this update. You know, his co-host, A.J. Hawk, former NFL linebacker. He actually shot a, a basketball from the studio. From the platform. Right, into where all the fans are. And if he made it, They'd pay for an Alabama student's tuition that's in the crowd, and he hit it first try. No, not the first
1: try. They had a series of 12 shots. Oh, Every hour they took four shots. Okay. So they had the new Pat McAfee shows on from 11 to 1 following first take. So what they do is gave A.J. Hawk 12 opportunities. Oh, spread out, though. Spread out for an hour. Yeah. And if he hit any of those, what would happen is tuition would be given free to – if you were a freshman, they would cover you for all four years. If you were a junior, you would be covered for two years. So that part was great about the show, and it was awesome because he hit that sucker, and he was like, man, the Pat McAfee Show has arrived in T-Town, and we're having to give up at least two years of tuition based on A.J. Hawk. And that A.J. Hawk is the one that's a pretty good skateboard guy as well. And I know we do have a caller here on the final drive. Caller, welcome to the final drive.
7: Corey, last hour, I think you just had a trademark comment.
1: Go <laughs> well, to me. What is it?
7: I've never heard the two words "plethora of pigskins" used together. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, I, I, that's that, what we're that <laughs> has got to be a Corey Labounty trademark.
1: <laughs> I, I'll take that. I, I will. I will go ahead and market a that nice and trademark that
2: one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I appreciate you for getting on that one. <laughs> All right. Have a good day, brother. You, you. You also look, Nick. We, we talked about Pat McAfee and and his debut here on ESPN. But I want to go back before we talk a little bit more about college football. Gulf Shores at Faith Academy tonight. 5A Region 1, you look at one year ago, Gulf Shores in the regular season defeats Faith Academy. And when they defeat Faith Academy, ultimately you knew that there was a playoff matchup rematch coming. I would rather you beat me in the regular season than to end my high school career to have to turn in the shoulder pads because I survive in advance to play another week. And Faith Academy defeats them in the third round, makes it to the state semifinals behind that. But tonight, boy, it's going to be a barn burner because you do have some great athletes tonight. Quarterback Jared Daughtry from Faith Academy. Head coach Mark Hudspeth has done a tremendous job turning that program around and getting the excitement there. Ty Goodwill, one of the best two-way players in the entire state of Alabama through two weeks of high school football already has five interceptions. Wow. He plays both sides yeah. of the football. So we talk about Travis Hunter and what he's able to do at Colorado. Here's a young man that is committed to Louisiana Lafayette. He's going to bring it in. There is E.J. King. E.J. King plays both sides of the football for the Faith Academy Rams. I really love E.J. King because he's been playing for so long as an eighth grader. Linebacker, running back, does it all for Jack French. So that game's going to be a lot. Ronnie Royal, again, one of the most explosive players you'll see from offense and defense also. So some great two-way players tonight that we'll see by both of these high school teams in a critical 5A Region 1 matchup. A lot of good high school stuff
2: going on. Got to stay locked in on that Sound Mobile app so you can keep up to date with everything going on as it happens. And look, we talk about Pat McAfee and his co-host, you know, winning the tuition. There was also some news that was dropped that's relevant to our tied fans out here and i'll just let uh pat break it for uh you guys if you haven't heard my coach huh how about it you mind if i if i
6: make this announcement
2: right now
0: Not at all.
6: ladies and gentlemen this upcoming college football season will be one that'll be for the books yep historians <laughs> we'll talk about this season, not only because it's the last one before the 12-team playoff and mm-hmm. the new conference realignment, but because this upcoming college football season, every single Thursday, we will be getting the incredible opportunity of chatting with head coach of Alabama, yeah.
0: Nick yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I do think the pairing is odd. It's kind of like, bringing your dad to the frat party a little bit, right?
1: I mean, is it not like that? The question, as that video goes on a little bit further, Nick Saban looks at him, The he, he, Pat McAfee looks Saban square in his face and says, Coach Saban, look, we're probably going to ask you some stupid questions. We're yep. probably going to ask you some silly questions, but that's just who we are on the Pat McAfee show. And Pat McAfee joining college game day one year ago like him or hate him he definitely has a passion and an energy that he does bring to his show it's different for daytime television and talk shows for sure but the excitement that was exuded out of Tuscaloosa today during his time there and tomorrow when he hits that college game day set he knows how to work a crowd he's already mastered that for sure
2: yeah, you know, I've seen some rumblings that potentially, uh, is this Nick Saban getting ready to hang it up? Is this him doubling down and really getting his feet wet in every aspect of media? You know, we see him chumming up with Feinbaum and Kublick and McElroy, and now here he is chumming it up with the frat boys on the McAfee show. He apologized to the kid that asked him the question. What's going on,
1: man? What, 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 what's the flip? I, I, age, yeah. age, age, and more age. Because Miss Terry always pokes him in the side. He, you, you know, he, he, happy wife, happy life is what Coach Saban continues to learn in regards to if Miss Terry's nudging him and elbowing him when he gets home. His daughter, he's a, he's a grandfather of some years now, so he's learning how to mellow out. A little bit and, and have a lot of fun with the media and, and Pat McAfee I know it's going to ask him some of those questions that are just going to make coach Saban like man did I really just spend 10 minutes answering these type of uh, questions I mean, I every feel week like
2: even in that segment Nick Saban was just like oh yeah you, you can announce it if you want to like he seems very <laughs> I don't know shy I guess the 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 energy is just so different. Um, I don't know. Well, it's we'll talk about I here. I feel like that was
1: a pretty good Nick Saban impression, though, wasn't it? It, it was spot on. After we talked to Thomas Dunn, who covers the Cal Golden Bears on the West Coast as Auburn gets ready to go out there and play, we'll hear more from Coach Saban on what he expects from the fans tomorrow at Bryant-Denny Stadium and how he feels that, look, Nick Saban is a, a, a knuckle brawler. He'll let you know what he expects his team to do to throw those knuckles as well. Thomas Dunn coming up to right after this break here on the final drive to give us the coverage of the Cal Golden Bears as they take on the Auburn Tigers. Will they have their starting quarterback? Will they not? We'll find that out and more next on the final drive on WNSP 105.5.
4: Hey, this is former Mobile TV sportscaster Eric Clemens, and when I'm in town, I listen to 105.5 FM Sports Radio WNSP.
1: Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with Nick Wiggins, joining you on this fabulous, fun football Friday night. And we want to thank you for locking us in and tuning in. And, of course, you can tune in immediately following the final drive to Pigskin Pete as he gets us ready and prepared for our Sarah Land versus St. Paul's high school football matchup. Plenty of four- and five-star athletes will be on display in that game that you can listen to right here. The call by Michael Bronner and Brian Gennard. And, of course, Auburn traveling to the West Coast to take on the California Golden Bears. And we want to welcome our next guest, Thomas Dunn. And Thomas, welcome to the final drive.
8: I appreciate you having me on WNSP and having you having me on the final drive, man.
1: Well, will it be the final drive for Cal after they play the Auburn Tigers? Because we know it's a long flight from Auburn, Alabama, mm-hmm. out to the West Coast. And Cal, they, they've had some quarterback issues this week from a health standpoint. Will Cal be playing with their starting quarterback or will we just have to wait to game time to see?
8: Yeah, head coach Justin Wilcox is usually very coy about any injury, any type of injury, and let alone Sam Jackson, the fifth, against a very good Auburn team, very big brand coming into town. Sam Jackson was scheduled and did speak with the media during a uh, midweek here, so unless him and Jake Stavital are playing 6D chess, I would expect Sam Jackson the fifth to be the starter on Saturday and be the only quarterback to play on Saturday.
1: Yeah, um, that that's big news because you take that first shot and you find out how quickly you'll be able to stay in the game, but. Cal, with a very explosive offense, it's been said, look, for whatever reason on the West Coast, they love offense, not really too friendly from a defensive standpoint. Here, I know in the dirty South, we love defense, but West Coast, man, they they love getting up and down that 100-yard football field as many times as possible.
8: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you just take a look at all the Pac-12 quarterbacks, I mean, the conference is stacked top to bottom. Like Caleb Williams, the Heisman winner from USC, Michael Penix Jr. from Washington, Bo Nix, Auburn fans very familiar with Bo Nix, who's now at Oregon, Cameron Ward from Washington State, the new freshman on the block, Dante Moore from UCLA, and I'd be remiss if I didn't even mention Shador Sanders from Colorado, and he's clearly all in the headlines right now. And that's before you even get to Cal and other quarterbacks who may even be underrated in the conference. Pac-12 defensive coordinators are tearing their hair out weekly, especially when we get into conference play by having to face these quarterbacks.
2: You guys had a really big win last week. Offense looked great. Auburn, they had a really big win last week. Offense looked great. Now both those teams are playing lesser opponents. Where do you see this game going? What's your prediction on how it's going to play out?
8: Yeah, I'm expecting – Quite a lot of points to be scored in this game. I'm expecting either high 20 or low to mid-30s, somewhere in that vein. If, you, if the Auburn at Cal was the opening game of the year, I would land favor in for the Tigers. I thought Cal really executed way better than I thought they would at North Texas. I admittedly thought we were on upset watch heading into North Texas. But the Cal passed the test, and they have to pass the test even further if they hope to beat Auburn. Going, going back and forth, in my mind, I was like, this game needs to be 30-27, to 31-28, 34-30, somewhere in that vein. And like I mentioned earlier, if this was the opening game, I was taking Auburn. But I saw enough from Sam Jackson, Ben Finley, if he has to step in. I saw enough from the improved offensive line that struggled massively last year. I saw enough in Cal's process and execution to flip that score. I was thinking, okay, Cal will lose 34-30 to if this is the opening game. I think they actually win this game. 31-28, to 28, if I'm being consistent with my predictions that I've made on other Alabama shows and podcasts.
1: 31-28, that's fair. It's really going to come down to special teams then and execution for the Auburn Tigers. It's the latest game in the history of Auburn Tigers football, 9.30 at night, Central time, you look at 10.30 Eastern time, only a 7.30 kick for the West Coasters. So they they have an opportunity right there really at prime time to get everything started. Do, Do you think that fatigue will become a factor in this contest?
8: I think fatigue can become a factor. I do think the Auburn coaches are quite aware of what's at stake, especially in terms of, like, the process. You can take a look at Ole Miss. They came to town in 2017 had to deal with the same thing, Pac-12 after dark, 7.30 Pacific time start, and then they got shut out in the second half with a team with DK Metcalf, Van Jefferson, and A.J. Brown on the sideline. So Pac-12 after dark, definitely not something to mess around with if you're Hugh few and the rest of the Auburn staff. I think they'll be ready to play. I think they'll be conditioned enough to play. But sometimes that Berkeley wind, it gets a little cold, especially when it's going to be around 11 p.m. when the game ends, 1 a.m. Central. Hope you guys brought your... Get comfortable and bring your heart monitors because it's going to be chaos at packed up after dark.
2: Who on that Golden Bears roster that we don't know necessarily down here in the South, do you think that we're all going to know their name at the end of that game?
8: I think a guy who's destined for a national breakout is our wide receiver, Jeremiah Hunter. And I expect him to line up against either DJ James or Nehemiah Pritchett on Saturday. DJ James and Jeremiah Hunter, they haven't really faced up faced off that much even though dj james transferred from oregon they played one time over in 2021 jeremiah hunter had like three receptions for seven to eight yards and dj james had like two total tackles so jeremiah hunter's the guy to watch on offense because i know you guys are now familiar with jade not after uh, this week's press conferences but mm-hmm. Jade not a known quantity to us and a known quantity on the west coast in terms of like you mentioned someone who who you don't really know jeremiah hunter's that guy for us and we feel like he's primed for a national breakout season
1: The swagger that is being brought forth by the running back, Jay Knott. You you never want to give bulletin board material, but Ott has definitely done that, and the expectations for the Auburn Tigers that they have to find a way to slow this prolific and explosive offense down. You mentioned the score 31-28 to being the final score. If you had to put total yardage on this football game, From a Cal standpoint, will they have over and amass over 300 yards of total offense against this Auburn defense? Who Coach Freeze was honest with everyone and said, "Look, we didn't fit our gaps. We didn't have. We had a lot of missed assignments, and it it can cost us against a team like Cal."
8: Yeah, I saw Hugh Freeze's press earlier in the week about all the misalignments, especially early against UMass and for Cal. Yeah, you have to get over 300 yards of offense if you have any hope of winning this game. Establishing Jade not early is paramount. If Cal ends up having to reside reside in like pocket passing for the duration of the game, I think that's going to bode trouble for the Bears and for Auburn. I think they do need to stack the box box against Jade not, but not only him. Isaiah Afonze, a backup running back who has tons of records at Montana State and FCS school, and I'm not sure if you guys saw the clip slide around social media of Afonze's uh, Marshawn Lynch-esque pinball Mack truck touchdown run. Cal has very competent backs outside of Jade not. so. Auburn will need to key in on the run and force Sam Jackson to be a pocket passer should he be ready to go on Saturday.
1: It's going to be a fun game for everyone to watch. And what kind of crowd are we expecting? Because you mentioned it, people on the fence with... California football you you get the big win over North Texas yeah, I think there it's a huge difference between being 0 and 1 and 1 and 0 from attracting those extra fans who would love nothing more than to rush the field after beating an unranked Auburn Tiger team
8: Absolutely I know the the image when you think of Cal football you don't think of like the you know most passionate fan base but when you give us an opportunity to show out we'll come out there you get Notre, last year, Cal played at Notre Dame and about 15,000 Cal fans showed up. We played in Oxford in 2019, tons of Cal fans showed up. Chapel Hill, 2017, Cal fans showed up. Austin, Texas, when they played at Texas in 2015, Cal fans showed up. If Cal gets a platform to showcase who they are, fans will show out. And in terms of on-campus excitement, the excitement's ready, <clears throat> ready to boil over. It hasn't been more paramount than now, considering everything that's been going on with conference realignment. In the absence of proactive leadership, Cal fans were desperate to find a home. They found said home in the ACC, and they realized, okay, we have to back our team now more than ever. The California Legends NIL Collective raised over $1.2 million over the Labor Day weekend to show support for Cal's move and the idea that, okay, we can't just participate anymore. We have to be an active player in the name of college football brand and the college athletics brand.
2: We're talking with Thomas Dunn, sports editor and writer for the Santa Clara. He's also a contributor for Right for Cal. Who on this Auburn roster do you think that Cal is really circling on practice this week that could potentially be a game-breaker and ruin that 31-28 prediction that you have?
8: Yeah, so for me, the cop-out answer is Jarquez Hunter, but I'm not going to roll with Jarquez Hunter considering his unknown status at the moment. My guy, unequivocally, that Cal needs to watch is Robbie Ashford. In the Justin Wilcox era, Cal has been very competent on defense and in some seasons has been elite on defense, namely 2018. The type of quarterback that they've consistently struggled with, it doesn't matter what year it's been, what the context of the game is, it's a dual-threat quarterback. Max Duggan at TCU, Caleb Williams at USC, Justin Herbert back when he was at Oregon. Dorian Thompson-Robinson of UCLA is probably the biggest example of that. Cal struggles with athletic quarterbacks. Robbie Ashford is a very athletic quarterback, very competent quarterback, and I honestly am way more scared of him than Peyton Thorne. If Ashford can showcase what he did in the Iron Bowl and show it in bunches, especially throwing on the run and when things break down, I worry for the Cal defense. Robbie Ashford is the thing that makes the Auburn offense ceiling rise, rise way more than under Peyton Thorne. He's the guy that Cal needs to key in on, especially when he comes in during key situations. He's the guy they have to be ready for.
2: So any worries about, I mean, I guess maybe it's a sigh of relief then that they're really only running Robbie Ashford in those red zone packages?
8: Yeah, it, to me it's a sigh of relief. I mentioned this earlier on another program, but if Robbie Ashford, and I think you guys will appreciate this reference, if he shows a little bit of Nick Marshall in him from week one to week two, I think Cal fans are in for a little bit of hurt. Robbie Ashford, he's the type of guy that's just really going to give Cal, the Cal defense fits. Ever since 2017, when Justin Wilcox arrived on campus, it's been that one dual threat athletic quarterback that doesn't go down when Cal gets the pressure in the backfield. That's the type of quarterback that makes us struggle and makes us struggle consistently.
1: Thomas Dunn, how can everyone follow your coverage, not only of this Auburn versus Cal game, but we do have some West Coast lovers over here in this deep-rooted south of Mobile, Alabama. How can people follow your coverage?
8: Absolutely, so uh, for Right for California, rightforcalifornia.com and at right for Cal on Twitter, and for myself at THOD underscore 24 on Twitter, I hope all the Auburn fans that come out enjoy our hospitality, Cal fans will welcome you with open arms, and we hope likewise is the same when we come to Jordan Air next year, because we're very excited, very excited for this year, we're very excited for next year, and uh, we hope for the best on Saturday.
2: Great stuff, Thomas, man, we appreciate it, and good luck this Saturday.
8: Appreciate you, man. Have a great rest of your show.
1: All right, Thomas Dunn, joining us this afternoon to give the Cal Golden Bears perspective. He predicts a thirty-one to twenty-eight win. To
2: say, Auburn fans, are we feeling a little nervous? Was that just a little West Coast bias there? I don't know. But look, hey, you guys in the app, I see y'all are creating memes now. (laughs) Someone really took some time. Hey, we appreciate the love. Hey, where's the now? Look, we made a meme of Corey. I feel like I'm pretty meme-worthy, right? Where's my meme? <laughs> huh? Make some, make some Nick memes. Uh, uh, <laughs> Nick. I give t plenty of fuel and, you know,
1: ammunition to fire away. Well, I, I will say this. There will definitely be some memes flying this weekend with your Texas going to the college football playoff and, and defeating Ooh, yeah. the Alabama Crimson Texas Tide. Texas is going undefeated this year. Yeah. They see, just got to beat Alabama. Th- th- there you go. And, and, you know, we had – Earlier in the week, man, people are even volunteering to to maybe a pie meme. How about that? A pie in the face. And, and no, he one better, Nick. My man said he would give you his house, his (laughs) paycheck, his cars, and everything if you get the type of Super Bowl matchup that you predicted.
2: Jets, Cowboys. It's not out of the realm of possibility. And, look, NFL started last night chiefs lions when we come back you know we talked about at the very beginning of the show we got a new group of listeners right my guys who get off at 4 30 why don't we touch back on that a little unfortunately Kadarius tony did not show up how we wanted him to lions come away with the one point win
1: yeah and and speaking of win the United States, all they're supposed to do is win, win, win in FIBA basketball. World champions, right? Man, come <laughs> on, man. You lose to Lithuania, and today you get knocked out of the FIBA World Championship. 113 to 111. Germany yeah. beats us.
2: Hey, shout out to Serbia, man. Bogdan Bogdanovic, my Atlanta Hawk guy. And they don't even got Jokic out there, and they're going to the finals, so. We'll see. But look, hey, when we come back, let's break down that game from last night. This is the final drive.
5: Hi, this is Mark Malone, former NFL quarterback. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP.
2: Welcome back to the final drive. And man you about an unlucky final drive the Kansas City Chiefs there was a lot to be uh, look I said it earlier let's get the elephant out the room we love Kadarius Tony and Mobile how often does a guy from Blunt High School from our city go all the way to the NFL I got a, a Chiefs fan frowning at me right now look You're a wide receiver. You're getting paid to catch the ball. He actually got rid of his Twitter account this morning. The memes are coming in full force. But look, when you're getting paid to do a job, especially at that level, you're under the microscope. I'm about to get hit by a Chiefs fan right here, interrupting my show. Uh, (laughs) But look, those were crucial, crucial drops. Now, did anyone else show up to the party? Not necessarily. But those were just big moments. That third down, the two-minute comeback, it was on the way and just could not get it done. Corey, now in the first segment, a lot of people were saying, it's all on him, it's all on him. We know it's a yeah. team sport. What's your breakdown of last night's game?
3: Kadarius Tony has to catch the football, without question. He has to catch the football, and that's what he's paid to do, three critical drops. But when you look at one bad game, which one would you rather him have drops in? Would you rather him have drops in that opening game or in the Super Bowl? So I think it's magnified because he is a Super Bowl champion, and because of what was spent on him to win, or, or the Giants trading uh, him away. But Kadarius Tony had a horrible day at the office. No excuses for those drops. His quarterback believes in him. The city of Mobile believes in him. He's still going to be a world champion. Fifteen more opportunities to get it right. Fifteen plus, because I do expect the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl once again.
2: Yeah, we'll, we'll see about that. Um, but, look, he didn't play any preseason, no training camp. He's coming in fresh. He was rusty. Now, as he's, he's about as rusty so much you might need a technic shot if you get near him. But, look... <laughs> Now it's about <laughs> what do you do now, Patrick Mahomes has already come out and said, "Hey, that's my guy. I got his back. I'm going to keep putting giving him the opportunities to make the big plays. I'm going to keep looking for him. so now he's off social media you, you're, you're, you're blocking out the noise. Is he going to say it practice extra? you know hey, I'm not going to drop another ball this season. That has to be the mentality, right because you got to turn it around because that was just not the showing you wanted. The running backs, they didn't show up either. That right tackle, man, he had a head start every play, didn't he? He had a head start, but I think they called him on it once. You've got to do a better
3: job of protecting Patrick Mahomes. He's going to probably lead your team half of the season in rushing, but that is a formula for disaster to continue to to take the type of hits and the abuse he did. The offensive line has to shore things up. Let's not overlook that the Kansas City Chiefs had a new offensive coordinator come into the system and I'm not going to shortchange that at all when you do have a new offensive coordinator or a new voice in the clubhouse. Yes, you had the offseason to adjust, but the Kansas City Chiefs, no need to panic. One game that they lost, Kadarius Tony. yes, he dropped some balls that he should not have that he normally does not drop, but he will redeem himself. No worries for me there.
2: Yeah, and look, let's. it's not... Did the Chiefs lose this game or did the Lions win this game? The Lions won the game. I mean, that that combination full, of both. That fourth down conversion on what their own were they on their own? They were past their own 20, I'm pretty sure. That took Major Cajonis and Aiden Hutchinson. Man, that guy was in Patrick Mahomes grill every single play. Now, his mom might not have seen any of it. I feel they had, I don't know why, they had his parents mic'd up. They kept kept cutting to them in the crowd, and she just would be playing on her phone, looking around. But dad was locked in, though. I don't really know what the point of that was. But look, he was back there. He didn't get a sack or anything, but he was disrupting every play. He is going to be, you know, look, we see Nick Bosa, a defensive end, get that big bag. Joey Bosa, a defensive end, trying to get that big bag. Hutchinson is going to be the next up on that list. And up next on our list, from Coastal Alabama Community College, Daniel Head is going to preview a little bit of what Coastal Alabama, they, they got through a little bit of a rebrand, the Coyotes. Corey's going to chat with him, and we're going to see what they've got going on here this upcoming week in their athletics department, so you're not going to want to miss that. After that, look, I know they're, they're hard and they're rare to find, but we have one, a Detroit Lions fan, and you guys know him, Stephen Root. They don't get to toot their horn often, so... When you're able to come out in week one and beat the reigning Super Bowl champs, we got to come and let him toot it on his home station. And then after that, the sports prophet, Cooper Cox, is going to maybe help us win a little money this weekend. So it's going to be a good rest of the show. This is the final drive. We'll be right back.
0: The Sound of Mobile presents For the Wing! The final drive. No, they didn't. Oh, my gracious, yeah. How about that? With Corey Labounty and Nick Wiggins. For the Wing! Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. Oh, oh, unbelievable.
3: Welcome to hour number three of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with Nick Wiggins, joining you on this fabulous football field Friday afternoon. And, of course, if you have not done, downloaded the free Sound of Mobile app, what are you waiting for? It's a great way for you to correspond with both Nick and I, the opening kickoff as well. We welcome your opinion there on the app. It's a free downloadable app to any Android or Apple device that you may have. And joining us here on the final drive this evening is going to be Daniel Head, the director of athletics for Coastal Alabama Community College Coyotes. There's a rebrand and a rebirth going on at Coastal Alabama, and it's our pleasure to be joined by Daniel Head this afternoon. Coach, how's everything going?
5: It's going great, Corey. Uh, first of all, I think it's pretty cool that uh, of this week I'm I'm a long-standing parrot head that I get the five o'clock it's five o'clock somewhere segment you know on a Friday. So that was you know that, that means a lot that you you put me in that spot today. So
3: perfect timing there, just like it's perfect timing for the Coyotes rebranding, and you're looking at what people formerly called the Sun Chiefs, of course. There's a couple of different campuses involved with coastal Alabama. Let us know a little bit about this rebrand that's going on and the athletic programs that are being involved that are coming fresh and new to coastal Alabama.
5: Yeah, Corey, we have a great, uh, a lot of great opportunities for student athletes in the mobile Baldwin County area, both at our Monroeville campus, our Bruton campus and our Baymanette campus. Uh, you know, we, we uh we just rebranded, we combined what was the uh you know, Coast Alabama Eagles and Warhawks and Bruton and Monroe all together into one membership. We now have Men's and women's cross country that are scholarship programs in Bruton that had their first ever meet this past week and had a great showing in their first meet uh, with 30 teams. They finished uh, in the top two-thirds of that, that division on the first ever meet there. We have a men's and women's tennis program that's just launching in uh, Monroeville, and they had their first uh, outing last week and had a great showing there. Were the first time they've ever gone out and played a, a tennis uh, match there with the Coyotes. And we have men's and women's golf in Bruton also that are there are also new programs up beginning so there are a lot of opportunities for the kids in a mobile ball and county area if you run cross country if you play tennis you play golf we got more individualized sports that we, that are becoming very popular because of the pandemic and things like that so we're just pumped to have those new sports and we got a lot of opportunities for kids to come out and uh and join our uh, athletic programs on those campuses and along with what we already have
3: without question you you know that the new sports and the new athletics that are being offered on the campuses, especially if you are a female athlete looking to get started in cross-country or, or tennis, that, that's a great way for you to have a great two-year scholarship being offered to you to where you don't have to worry about a lot of the other things. Finances wise, why just come out and participate, especially in cross-country, being that new sport. I mean, you look at the football players. Out here in this 110 degree heat, but you also have those cross country runners that are now having an opportunity to start a new sport at Coastal Alabama.
5: Absolutely, and we, like I said, we have a good group of kids that are running, and um, they comp- they finished in the top half of the junior college teams that that raced last week, and and that's just kind of the beginning. Uh we just want kids to come up and, and uh that are interested to contact us. Uh you can you know, you can contact me at Daniel at coastalalabama.edu or any of our coaches. Um contact information is listed on our website and uh we're just happy to, to be able to offer a different variety of of offerings and sports for you know multiple communities. And uh, like I said, our Baymanet campus, we've got things going right now. We've we got tennis and golf and volleyball going right now. They're in a big tournament in South Florida. Our Baymanet volleyball team, um, our Bruton volleyball team, they've got off to a great start in the top half of the conference. Had big win down at Bishop State on the road last week that uh, you know it was kind of a battle for the top half of the conference. And that was a good road victory for them. And uh, you know, so they've done well and said so fall baseball is kicking off next week. Our Bruton team, the Coastal North Coyotes, they're going to LSU. They're going to play in a two-day deal down there at LSU uh, in the Alex Box Stadium, the Skip Berman Field. they was in some junior colleges invited down there and Coach Griffin had some great relationships with some of their coaching staff through his years in, in coaching, so that will be a great opportunity for that team and then, Our uh, Bay team, they're going to uh, Chipola College next weekend for their big fall showcase and going to play at several junior colleges down there. There'll probably be 100 uh, college and pro scouts down there to see our teams play. So it's just a great time for our kids and student athletes to get out and and play sports and get out there and get active and have opportunities to play at the next level and hopefully continue their careers on at the four-year level when they're here with us at Coastal.
3: It's not every day that you see a junior college be able to participate and compete at a Division One level. Like at LSU, you mentioned the baseball program, having that opportunity. It's something about the Coastal Alabama brand that's being started and the rebrand and the rebirth of athletics. I know the great new facilities that are, are being built from a basketball standpoint also. So just tremendous excitement. Across the board, for all of the coastal Alabama campuses,
5: absolutely we're excited about christening the the new Jack Robertson arena this fall for basketball season it's uh we've had a total uh renovation of the facility um i mean it's basically there's were no walls or uh you know windows or anything everything's been Gut it out and started over so we're just really excited we're just a few weeks away from opening that up and it's going to be a great uh facility for you know not only our basketball games our, ba- our volleyball games and then other events we have there on campus it's going to be and then we have a new weight room a lot of new facilities that are going to help our student athletes uh have the the greatest opportunities to train and develop you know at our with our programs
3: Daniel Head, Director of Athletics for Coastal Alabama Community College, the Coyotes. Coach Head, how can people get in touch with you and learn more about the Coastal Alabama rebrand, about the sports that are offered? And so many times you see student athletes without a scholarship come in late June or July. But here's an opportunity for you to get on board To a few new programs early and to help reinvigorate the excitement of being able to pursue so many times high school athletes once their high school career is done it's over now you're giving more athletes more of an opportunity to continue to participate how can people reach out and find more about coastal alabama community college
5: athletics just go to our, you know, right now we're in a re our our athletics website is in a uh, redesign with a new branding. We should have that launched in next week or so. So I don't, I'm I'm waiting on the release of that. So I'll update you with that once we get that finalized but coastalalabama.edu or like I said just email me I'll be glad to get you know either answer any questions or get in contact with the right coaches for their programs at daniel.head at coastalalabama.edu 251 uh, 575 8259 is the office number uh, just just reach out and we want to you know anybody that's interested and wants to try to play at the next level any sport that we offer we want to you know we've got cheerleading on Monroeville and, and competitive cheerleading Monroeville baby net we have about 40 cheerleaders at are I mean, so there's just a lot of cool things, not just, you know, your typical, your baseballs, your basketballs, your softballs. But there are a lot of other outliers that, you know, that sometimes get overlooked, especially at the collegiate level. But there are a lot of really good players in this area that uh, in those other sports. And we want to have an opportunity to have those kids come come to our school and play for us. So uh, this is a great uh, time to, to be a part of that.
3: Coach Head, thank you so much for your time. Look forward to talking to you again Thursday more about the Coastal Alabama Community College Coyotes rebrand and everything that athletically you guys have to offer.
5: Yeah, and and quickly, I want to give a quick shout-out to the Barry Strong Foundation. They have a big event going in Daphne tomorrow night, and uh, go to their Facebook page, Barry Strong. They're raising a lot of money for childhood cancer, and they've got a silent auction. So anybody interested in supporting their foundation, please go to their Facebook page and look into more of that. It's in the Baldwin County area, and it's a great event that does a lot of positive things that we support at Coastal Alabama Athletic Department also.
3: We would love to eliminate cancer altogether. Childhood cancer is something that affects so many, and if you have had a family member affected by cancer, make sure that you reach out and donate to that Childhood Cancer Foundation as well. Coach, thank you so much.
5: Awesome. Thank you so much, Corey. Have a great weekend and have good luck on the air tonight.
3: Appreciate it. Daniel Head, Coastal Alabama Community College Director of Athletics, joining us this afternoon
9: on the are final drive. one hundred five point five, Mobile.
2: Welcome back to the final drive. And look, Lions fans, they got it rough. Hey, Falcons fans, we have it rough. Very rarely do any Lions fans get to toot their own horn about a victory. And look, you're beating the reigning Super Bowl champs, dinged up or not. So we had to let our local Lions fan come and toot his horn. I'm sure I can do some type of clever rhyme with root and toot, but Stephen Root, what's up, man?
7: (laughs) You give me a horn, buddy, I'll toot it. That's what I'm here to do, man. It's a good day.
2: Man, those Lions. I mean, look, they this is the most hyped-up team that didn't do anything last year. They didn't make the playoffs. They finished strong, but getting a lot of hype. Here they are facing the Chiefs, and they back it up. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm a reasonable man. I'm not going to get ahead of myself.
7: Yeah, the hype should be real for this team to at least be a really good team this year. I mean, they, they've they built it in a way that they are that, and they are going to be that this year. You know, that game, it really did look like a game one for both teams, though. I mean, there was a lot that could have been different in that game. Um, but look, man, you go into Arrowhead, you get the win. They, there is no, nothing they should apologize for. That was as legit as it can be for Detroit at the moment.
2: Now, do you think that Detroit won that game, or did the Chiefs lose that game?
7: Um, I mean, look, I hate doing that, but both. I mean, obviously both. Um, Did Detroit have chances to do more than they did? Yeah, I mean, they got down there. They fumbled. Um, You know, they, they had chances themselves to look better than they did plenty of them. Um, But man, I mean, the receivers, I mean, I'm sure y'all talked about it all show. So I'm not going to come in here saying anything new. But yeah, I mean, you trying to, and Mahomes just trying to get on the same page with these receivers It was not there. I mean, you can yeah, blame Kadarius, Tony, for drops, but you know, it's just, it's a receiver wide thing with them that he was not on the same page. And those guys were not sitting down in zone coverage like they should like Kelsey would um, so I mean you know there was just some sloppiness on both ends to where yeah Detroit had abilities to accomplish more than they did you could see that they were getting close a couple times so it, it was kind of sloppy it was a little ugly but you know I, the credit goes to Detroit I don't I don't care about all that I mean you still have to go in there and, and do what they did So yeah they deserve the credit
2: I'll tell you who I was really impressed by Aiden Hutchinson he didn't I don't think he got a sack, but he was in every play, man.
7: Yeah, he's he's going to be the man. I mean, you see it. A lot of people, you know, might remember him getting drafted, but haven't watched him. They're going to know, you know, he's going to have that kind of career where um, make all the comparisons you want to J.J. Watt or whatever, but he can be that type of player. Um, you know, yeah, that was a coming out party, I'm sure, for a lot of people to get to know him still super young, but yeah, he didn't have to get a sack, but he was involved in every single play. If the play got behind him, he was running guys down. Um, He's special, man. You know, they have to have him be. Jameer Gibbs, though, you know, when you're getting down there late in the game and and Detroit has a, Jameer Gibbs has an 18-yard run, and then we put David Montgomery back in the game for three straight plays, and you didn't pick up the first down, I mean, I don't know what it is. Ben Johnson, offensive coordinator, didn't have his best night. But, look, I mean, they're going to figure out how to use him. And we saw the flash out of Jameer Gibbs for why you take him as high as they did. Ryan Branch, you know, how did the league let him get to the second round? People will be kicking themselves over allowing that to happen. But, I mean, from these young guys, even Laporta at tied end. You know, Jack Campbell, the linebacker they took. These might not have looked like the flashiest picks in the draft, but now we are you saw why these guys might have been picked. I think Laporta can be a great piece of tight end. And, again, Goff is perfect for that team, man. I'm the, you know, he's not going to blow you away anywhere, but he's going to be solid everywhere. So, you know, anything a Lions fan was looking for, they kind of got to see it all and points to the future being bright.
2: Look, I was surprised by I guess the lack of touches that Gibbs got. I mean, you take a guy that early in the draft, you expect him to play pro- more than 19 plays. You would think David Montgomery, yes, they signed him as their as a new running back in that backfield, but he didn't really have that good of a year statistically in Chicago. You draft a running back that early, you assume he's going to be your bell cow or your, you know, your workhorse back, but it seems to be the opposite.
7: Yeah, and, I mean, the role that Gibbs can play, though, is is so dynamic. I mean, let's get him catches. Let's get him involved. I mean, you don't have to hand the ball off to him and let him get beat up. You know, if you're trying to save him from that, you can still do so and him be on the field. I mean, it's just something that they're going to have to figure out. I guarantee they will. I mean, that talent's not going to quit showing itself. So, you know, Montgomery can be that. That workhorse, that that guy that you send in there to take a beating, maybe more so than give. but get the ball in Gibbs' hand. It's going to be crucial. They figure out how to do that because everybody has seen flashes already. So yeah, let's feed that man.
2: Yeah, he definitely looked like the best running back on the field for both teams by far. And then you know. Best wide receiver on the field by far was Amon Ross St. Brown. He kind of had a coming out party last year, got a touchdown this year. He's looking pretty good. You got high hopes for him?
7: Oh, yeah, dude. He's going to he's gonna get a ton of catches. I mean, you, you got to see him, how he's able to, um, you know, he might be this kind of guy that's not burning you over the top. I mean, sure, speed's there, but he's going to absolutely be the target. He's going to try to get – 10 to 15 catches in a game. He's going to be that guy. They need him to. Wide receiver's not the deepest spot for him. You know, really, really hate for Kansas City. Hate those the receivers. All the hate they're getting today. It's it's tough, man. I mean, that's uh, I'm sure it's been brought up a lot. But Justin Ross from Alabama went to Clemson. I mean, this poor guy's dealt with the worst injury luck you can have and but still here he is still on the team still showing what he could be let's figure out how to get him and Mahomes hooked up because you know Sky Moore, Kadarius, Tony we know these guys are talented but I kind of just hate to see what they're having to deal with today but um, that just takes a little bit of time maybe but Detroit I mean they've got their number one for sure beyond that it's a bit of a question mark.
2: I mentioned the Lions being one of the most hyped teams coming into the season. You take the Chiefs down week one. You're starting 1-0. and Where do you guys go from here? Is the hype going to be real?
7: Well, yes, it will be. And I've, I've gone as far with me running my mouth. I mean, I said they are going to win 10, 11 games this year. And that's kind of got to be not a crazy thing to say. I mean, that's something they need to achieve. I mean, this rebuild, Brad Holmes, GM at the top, it's worked with the coach when a lot of people thought he was just a you know cheerleader. No nah, man, these these players have, have bought into what he's selling. So, they they've built it in a way, and the timeline was always this: get to this point, and now it's make or break. So yes, this team has to. You know, I don't know about. A lot of people think this is a highly competitive division. I mean, you've got people picking just about every team in that division to win it. That you know, that's how, I've seen as as far as there being three teams out of that division to make the playoffs. So people are are high on that division. You know, i got to wait and see with Green Bay and what do I believe there. But are the Bears improved? Yeah. I mean, Kirk Cousins, the Vikings, they're still there. You lose Cook, but these teams, they're still there. I mean, they're going to kind of cannibalize each other probably. But, you know, this is the Lions division to lose, I would say. I think that's got to be the case. I mean, the hype is real.
2: I think the division's going to be close, but not in a way where it's like, oh, we have a lot of teams making the playoffs. Like, I think whoever does come out of that division, they've won nine games. I think because their schedule, I mean, look, you're playing the Seahawks. That's not easy. Falcons, that's not going to be easy. Packers, that's not easy. Panthers, that's easy. Bucks, that's easy. But you got the Ravens, tough. Chargers, tough. Packers, Bears, Saints, Vikings, Cowboys. I mean, these aren't just chunks, yeah. man. Y'all are all going to be like right there at 9 and 8 together, I feel.
6: Probably so.
7: I mean, somebody somebody will have to try to reach that 10 win point, but you know, just being the the fan I am, I've been saying for a while, you know, after last season ended that next year it's all set up for the Lions, at least, that's the team I'm going to talk about. That's It's set up for them to have to do it this year, whatever it is. I mean, it's make the playoffs for sure. That has to happen. We're, and, you know, I think they're good enough. That schedule's for real, too. But you, you win 10 or 11 games, there's no doubt that you've had a great year.
2: We're both due, man. in the app, the Lions put everything into that one game, and they barely won by one point. Another user in the app, Dan Campbell, is my pick for Coach of the Year this season. Do you know what two coaches have the best odds for Coach of the Year?
7: I know Artie Smith is up there number one. Yes, sir. I don't know if I bought into it, but I'm I'm definitely You got to show the appreciation to what the Falcons have done. They're going to put a lot of people. I'm sure anybody that's just a casual fan that hasn't paid attention. And they're they're gonna think the Falcons are the same old Falcons until they see this year. I mean, right. yeah, the Falcons they're, are gonna be a much better team.
2: They're still typing twenty eight three. We don't have a single staff member or <laughs> player from that team on this roster anymore. Yeah,
7: yeah, I, don't, I think Campbell, either of those guys, you you could definitely get some money back. I mean, which ones are gonna be? It's gonna be tough, but they've got the, they've at least got the odds right that those are your favorites. I mean that that. That comment in the app, to me, is a little ridiculous. They put everything they have into this game. What do you think everyone's doing? What do you think every team is doing on a, <laughs> a weekly basis? It's putting everything into whatever team they have to play that week. You know, that the score could have even been more than a one-point win for the Lions if they would have capitalized here and there. So, I mean, look, I, that's just ridiculous. That You can say whatever you want to make yourself feel better about the Lions winning. Um, but, I mean, look, they – had to. They came in there. They did what they did, and that's all. This, you know, that's all that matters, man. That's kind of a ridiculous statement to me.
2: Well, look. Hey, yesterday on the show, we, uh, you know, locked in our Super Bowl picks. Got a guy saying who that in the app. We locked in our Super Bowl picks. Corey, he said they're going to run it back. It's going to be the uh, Chiefs and the Eagles again. I'm saying it's going to be the Cowboys and the Jets with the Jets oh, coming God. out on top. Wait, what are you, what are you saying?
7: Ugh, that's ugly. I don't like it. <laughs> that's too— the Cowboys, the Cowboys aren't doing it. I can tell you that right now. Why? Get they get went 12-5 the and five
2: last year. Four and one with There's Cooper Cowboys. Rush. Now they're, they got Brandon Cooks. Now Dak's healthy and ready to go. The Ezekiel Elliott saga's <laughs> over. Why, why not? Why not Dallas. You tell me they were one Brandon Cooks away from getting to the Super Bowl?
7: All right, man. I mean, look, I you're – okay, the, the Cowboys should be good. That's exactly right. But I'm going to just believe they're going to shoot themselves in the foot at some point, and that's not going to be great this year. I do kind of like that they got rid of Ezekiel Elliott, and now it can be the Tony Pollard show, the much better of the two. I mean, I like that. I mean, it's not the not the worst pick, but I just – I can't do it with the Cowboys. What I my, never can.
2: What about my Jets pick? That's who I have uh, winning it all.
7: I mean, it just comes down to what – do you believe that that's all going to work? Yes, it should. Even without Aaron Rodgers, they were a great, great defense. Um, so, yeah, is he just going to be on the field all year? I mean, can he be healthy and do what he's done? I mean, I, I'm not going to say anything about that pick. Um you know, I'd probably have to at least just based on what we know, I would have to go with Corey on his picks, being a little more logical. But I mean, yeah, logical. if you're the Jets, you, you make often, those moves. How
2: often is there a a rematch in the Super Bowl, man? It's not it doesn't happen often.
7: Yeah, I the mean, lose I would, both I would probably
0: have to They're pick the Eagles starters.
7: Look, I'm just saying, if it's me, I'm taking the Eagles. I mean, they were there, and I think they've gotten a little better. That's got to be my pick.
2: In what positions have they gotten better? They lose their running back, they get in the Lions' sloppy seconds and swift. <laughs> I remember watching You're saying freaking Miles hard Sanders
7: to DeAndre Swift is a huge gap there? I don't all
1: think I'm so. All I'm saying
2: is I remember watching freaking hard knocks, and they said, man, DeAndre Swift, he can be the best running back in the league. And then that dude never got touches, and they got rid of him right <laughs>
1: after.
7: So. Yeah, dealt with a lot of injuries, too. Look, I'm not going to sell you, Swift. Uh, That's not what I'm doing. You're only but, rooting for Philadelphia because you
2: know. all them Georgia guys, man.
7: You're right. I mean, it's a, absolutely a definitely a team I'm rooting for. And you're for saying sure. you're saying I want to see all those guys succeed.
2: You're saying Chiefs out of the AFC even after last night and seeing oh there might be some receiver no, issues. No, I'm not.
7: I said if I had to say who's the smarter man out of you and Corey, I picked Corey. That's not right. I didn't give you the Chiefs. Um I I don't know if I can I don't know if I can pick right now. I should have what come more prepared. I don't, know. I don't sure? think Ch- I don't you think 30 the Chiefs, seconds. you know, we saw the holes with the Chiefs, man. They're going to have some rough games like that.
2: All right, then who's coming out the AFC, brother? Mm. You got the Bills. You got the Jets. You got the Dolphins. You got the Chargers. You got the Bengals. Those are all the popular ones. Maybe the Jaguars, the Ravens.
7: I think, I mean, the Jaguars are going to be really good this year. I think Trevor Lawrence can have an MVP-type MVP year this year. Um, you know, the Bills, yeah, they're going to be close, but it's really the clock's ticking on them to put it all together too. Uh, man, it's tough, but I I might have to go old Joe Burrow as long as he's healthy.
2: Highest paid quarterback in NFL history. Highest paid player in NFL history now.
7: That's right, this $50 million club is growing, it's crazy to see
2: Well Root, as always, it's a pleasure speaking with you I'm happy for your Lions, look I feel like my Falcons and your Lions It's like they're two sides of the same coin, man We mirror each other, so as much crap as I talk about them No deep down, <laughs> I, I, I i am uh, showing them a little love
7: well, I appreciate that. You're a good friend, buddy. And I think both of our teams are, are due for a little something nice, and we might get it this year. We'll see. But I appreciate it. Go Lions. Glad to have the opportunity to be happy about them for the first time in probably my life.
2: <laughs> That's right, man. Well, hopefully it continues bringing you happiness. I'll talk to you later on, all right?
7: All right. We'll see you.
2: Well, guys, there's a little toot from the root horn. Up next, we're going to be getting a little gambling advice from the sports profit coming up next on The Final Drive.
7: Hi, I'm Vernon Lundquist from CBS Sports. You're listening to WNST Mobile, Alabama.
2: Welcome back to The Final Drive. look we all love football but what do we love more than that making money while we watch football and when I say the word profit are you thinking about a guy who gives wisdom unto others selfless are you thinking about cold hard cash a return on your investment Well, our next guest he is both Cooper Cox TheSportsProfit dot com is where you can find him at SportsProfit underscore on Twitter. Cooper, how are you doing, man?
9: Hey Nick, how's it going? Um, doing pretty well. Just gearing up for uh, what hopefully will be another big weekend.
2: Yes, sir. Hopefully, look—you you had that Florida State LSU game right on the money last week.
9: Yeah, you know, week one is is always a little bit tricky, just because. You know, we haven't had a chance to, to see a lot of these teams yet. But, um, you know, fortunately, the, the lean was, uh, was pretty good on that one. And uh, it came through for us. That's, that's a, good, a good ball club down there.
2: Well, look, down here and I guess nationally, the college football game of the week and potentially of the year, a lot of big implications with this game. Alabama-Texas, what do you have going on with that game?
9: Yeah, you're right. This this has gotta be the game of the week. Um a couple different storylines with this one that that piqued my interest anyway. Uh obviously Sarkeesian makes his return to Tuscaloosa. Uh I spent time there as the offensive coordinator. Um this was after he had left the USC coaching job and, you know, Saban kind of gave him his, uh, you know, his chance back at it. And, you know, I think Sarkisian is still very appreciative with with Saban even to this day uh, in regards to that situation. Um, but um, on a different side of things, this is somehow, you know, these two teams aren't even in the same conference yet. And this is somehow already turning into a rivalry, what seems to be, um, the teams don't like each other. The fans don't like each other. Just check, just check Twitter, uh, and it won't take you long to, to find that out. Um, an interesting nugget here is that when Alabama went to Austin last year for this game, Texas had the Alabama band – basically scheduled to sit or, or their tickets anyway were up in the nosebleeds. Like they, they weren't going to be anywhere near the stands. And that's just not ordinary. I mean, you, you really don't see teams do that to, to other teams, especially there was really no precedence as far as a rivalry um, so much before that. So, you know, two two big blue blood um, programs going at it alabama has returned the favor to the texas band so if they're going to make the trip they're going to have to sit the nosebleeds as well uh so that you know that's kind of a a fun storyline going into this one but from a betting perspective uh this line opened at seven alabama minus seven uh total opened at 57 that's come down a bit uh for me understandably but I've seen the line go up to seven and a hook a little bit, and it's been bet back down pretty consistently all week. Um, Seems to be that the bigger dollar bets are on Texas so far. Um, For me, you know, I kind of see the reasoning. I'm not going to be on a side on this game. If I was going to be on this one, I would probably look to the under. Um, I was most impressed with, Alabama's defensive front seven in the first game, and I was equally impressed with Texas' defensive front seven. Those, to me, look like the strongest parts of each team at this point in the year. Um, You can see why Texas is getting a little bit of love in the betting market with Quinn Ewers uh, you know, being the more experienced passer of the two quarterbacks here. Um, And seven seems like a lot of points for for a big-time game. Uh, Again, though, I wouldn't be touching the spread here. The only way I would look would be to the
4: under.
2: All right. Good stuff, man. Now, look, last week, I think everyone was surprised whether you thought that you believed in Dion or not. But the way that they played against TCU winning in that, you know, shootout fashion now. Let's see if it's for real right now. There's tape to watch Colorado, their home opener. Nebraska's coming to town. That line's at three. What are you thinking there? Yeah,
9: I definitely have some thoughts on this one. Um, you know, I, I hate to be the party pooper. I, I, I'm not saying that this Colorado team isn't going to have a good year, but we've got to put things into perspective. If Colorado wins six games this year, it's a, it's a massive success for Dion's first year uh, in Boulder. So um, let's be real about what that TCU team was. This is a TCU team. Yes, they played in the national championship last year but they were a luck box all the way there the entire season. I think they got to play something like seven backup quarterbacks in a regular season in the 2022 season, you know, bounces went their way. Things went their way. They caught lightning in a bottle and, and, you know, it was fun to see from a college football fan perspective, but things went their way. And then with all the turnover that that they had this off season, um, there's no way that 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 team should have been a 20 point favorite to almost anybody, uh, including a very, very talented Colorado Buffalo side. So, um, you know, great win for Colorado, but for me, this is a completely different matchup against Nebraska. It's, it's literally, you know, both of those teams last week wanted to spread it out, go fast, who could score the most points. That's who was going to win the game, right? Well, Nebraska is the exact opposite, especially under new offensive coordinator, new head coach Matt Rule. They want to line up and hit you in the mouth, and they want to run the play clock down to to damn near zero every time they're taking a snap. So um, you can bet that's going to be the Nebraska game plan here, and I personally think that they will be effective. I'm not taking a side on this one, even though if I did – Think there was value i would look at nebraska plus three if i had to give a lean what i'm going to be taking in this game officially and this is an official vip play that i'm happy to share is gabe irvin jr that's the lead tailback for this nebraska team over 62 and a half yards rushing i would play that up to 70 if you if you can't get it at 62 and a half i would play it as high as 70 i think nebraska lines up and give this guy 15, 16 carries in this one. Uh, and the Colorado defensive front seven is just not up to speed yet. They're not up to speed where the skill players are, where the offense is. Um, I think Nebraska will have a lot of success running the ball on the ground, and they'll control the clock in this one.
2: All right. Hey, that all makes sense to me. Look, the NFL started last night. That was a crazy game. We discussed it. You know, in very uh, depth on today's show. But what about uh, what is this? The Monday night game, Buffalo Bills, New York Jets. I've actually predicted the Jets to win the Super Bowl this year. What are you thinking about that game? That's uh,
9: that's an interesting prediction. Um, I, I'm I'm not I'm not completely against it. In, in, in fact, you know this the whole situation with Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets loaded defense. Uh, they've got some weapons there for him. The offense looked good in the limited preseason snaps that we saw. It feels very reminiscent of the Tom Brady to Tampa Bay situation. Um, for this game specifically, um, Buffalo coming to town, like you said, I like the Jets on this one. And, and, and you know, I will be the first to admit if I, you know, took the bait and I bought into to, to, to the new New York Jets Uh, But I feel pretty good about this game. You know, as a sports handicapper, we say we bet spots. We don't necessarily bet teams. And this is a jet spot through and through. Um, You know, it's the Monday night game. It's Aaron Rodgers' debut. They've got one of the best defenses in the NFL, if not the best defense. It's going to be on 9-11, so I'm sure there will be, you know, some energy in the building, some sort of tribute there for that. Um, And look, this is a Jets team. That was on the edge the entire year last year of being a good team. And from a betting perspective, being a good covering team, but they just didn't have quarterback play. Um, the Jets lost me money more times than once last season because the defense showed up, you know, even the game plan was there. And the quarterback play was just not there. Well, they've got a good quarterback now, obviously. The defense is, is just as good, if not better than it was a year ago, in my opinion. Um, I like the Jets here. Keep in mind, these two teams played last year. Without, obviously, Aaron Rodgers was still in Green Bay, and it was only a 17-20 to 20 game. Buffalo barely got by uh, at MetLife Stadium there um, in East Rutherford. So uh, I like the Jets here. Um, I like the Jets to have a good year. I think that they will be a popular pick, but I think it's one of those you know, square sides that actually works out and, and it ends up being successful.
2: All right, man. Well, hey, before I let you go, Let's hear it. What's your best bet of the week? Okay, so uh as
9: far as doing the show, you know the the, the late the later shows in the week that, that I do, uh unfortunately some of the plays that I've given out, the lines have moved. You know, I start posting my plays to uh to subscribers Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday when those early lines come out. So I tried to find one that I'm gonna be on that hasn't moved too much. Uh this is gonna be in college football. Um, I'm looking at UCLA here, they're making a small trip down to San Diego state. Um, this line opened, I think around 13, um, and it's, it's at 14, 14 and a half. Now I'm going to take UCLA minus the 14. Um, I think San Diego state is just a team without an identity. I mean, I mean, you know, two years ago, three years ago, it was all defense. It was all run game. um, they had so much turnover on the defensive side of the ball. The defense is not what it was. You know, they've got their free safety from, from a year ago who stepped over to the offensive side of the ball to play quarterback. Uh, he's not much of a passer. He's kind of a scrambler. If you shut down the passing lanes, he's in trouble. He's, he's going to turn the ball over. That's probably what he's best at. Um and I just think San Diego State is struggling. They are on the decline. And I think this UCLA team is under the radar, man. I think that, uh, you know, they had nine back on defense. And, uh, you know, Chip Kelly's not necessarily known for his defenses. But this is a good-looking defense. Um, they've got a young quarterback by the name of Dante Moore. Remember that name? Because the dude is potentially a Heisman contender. I think he's going to be that good. Uh, and he will uh, he'll be playing this game. Right now, they're doing a quarterback by committee, but he's going to be in there more often than not, and I think that this is potentially uh, a victory by a wide margin for for the Bruins.
2: Great stuff, Cooper. Got about 30 seconds here. If any of our listeners want to tail you and follow all your great advice and analytics, where can they follow you at?
9: Yep, that's going to
2: be at com. Cooper, I appreciate it, man. I'll talk to you next week, all right?
9: See you next
2: week. Thanks. All right, guys. Are we tailing? I like that Nebraska pick on the running back. So we'll see how that goes. But you know I'm still believing in Dion. One more segment, then I'm going to pass it over to Pigskin Pete. This is The Final Drive. This is
3: Charles Farley from the University of Alabama. You're to 105.5 WNSP.
2: All time finally made it. The final segment of the final drive leading up to the Pigskin preview show. And tomorrow, Alabama, Texas. I've been saying it all week. I got Texas beating Alabama. So Monday's show, I'll either be really rubbing it in your face, or I might come down with a cold or something over the weekend. But my Falcons, they're going to give Bryce Young hell on Sunday. That's a fact, Jack. What a great show, man. Jake Crane. And look, he's with me on Texas. He's also with me on LSU. It's going to be a long season. We're not writing them out yet. They lost to Florida State last year. What's different, right? They can get back there. They can still win that SEC. Al Whedon, talking about the big high school game that I'm about to be covering, and you'll be hearing me do call-in updates during the Greer's Market Game of the Week tonight. I'm gonna be going back home Sims Alabama the city of Sims that is MGM gonna get that redemption game against Foley got a Foley fan in the app coming at the MGM fan we'll see what happens tonight guys it's been fun and a big show on Monday Don't you guys want to see if I'm proven wrong? I know you all want to see me eat my words because I'm rarely ever wrong. Well, I'll talk to you guys then. Well, you'll hear from me a little tonight, but enjoy the high school football coverage. Stay locked in onto that Mobile app. If you come to the watch party, the outsider tomorrow, I'll see you there. This has been the final drive. I am out.